motherfuckers. We're back. It's been a while. Shit happens. We kind of just disappeared off the face of the planet for a little bit. But Forbidden Technique is back at least for this week. Because uh, you know that UFC 289 had a fight that we just couldn't stay away from. That's right. Amanda Nunes versus Irene Aldana. Banger. Yeah. Don't forget Mike Malott versus Adam Fugue. Yeah. This is what I'm talking about. This is a pay-per-view. But no, I mean, obviously, the, the real story of this card, Charles Oliveira fighting Benil Dariush for presumably a number one contenders match, uh, unless they just decide to give it to the winner of uh, Charles Oliveira's respective sons, Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje. But fuck it, whatever. It's been a little while. Let's just get on into this card. Too much has happened in MMA since we last did this stuff. I've already forgotten everything. So, yeah, Amanda Nunes... It's fighting Irene Aldana. Uh, I guess this division had the feel a little bit of being shaken up by uh, Nunes briefly losing the title to Juliana Pena in one of the most uh, spectacular title-losing implosions that we've ever seen, but really kind of does seem like a weird freak thing that just happened and then didn't happen again. And now Nunes is the champion again, and it feels very much as though the status quo has been returned and and we're kind of back just being like, well, this is uh, an Amanda Nunes title defense. This division's not very good and she's probably going to win. Yeah, honestly, the, the Pena fight kind of just felt like when a TV show has a main character die to get people interested again and then they just revive the character next episode. Yeah, a little bit. And, uh, you know, not to say that uh, Aldana doesn't have some things that could make her an interesting foil for Nunez in some situations. Uh, just the complete construction of her game just doesn't really seem to be designed to uh, really threaten Nunez that consistently. I mean, I've always thought of Aldana as being a lot like Alexa Grasso. I mean, from the same camp. Um, but she kind of has a lot of the issues of Alexa Grasso without the other things that Grasso has going for her that make her make her a complete and dangerous fighter. Mostly, she doesn't have Grasso's speed or her lightning-fast scrambling and incredible submission grappling, but then has the, the big Alexa Grasso thing that she can be pretty dangerous in pocket exchanges but doesn't really have a way of proactively creating them um this was of course like really laid bare in her fight against holly home in which holly home just being someone who uh is a southpaw who is incredibly dedicated to uh, lateral movement and maintaining distance despite all of the mechanical issues with how holly home goes about that and uh the point that she's at in her career um, just having that kind of dedicated approach was really enough to totally shut down Irene Aldana. She really could just, she just couldn't track Holly home down. She just followed her around, just just, just kind of getting, getting dog walked. Um, she also has a loss to Caitlin Chikagan. I have to imagine that's much the same thing. And uh, that's basically what Amanda Nunes did in her last fight after being just completely unraveled by Pena being able to do a slip jab. Nunes 
in a totally like characteristic for MMA fashion, just like massively over-adjusted and fought the whole fight southpaw and just had a kind of uh, tepid outfighting performance where she just wanted to draw Pena onto check right hooks. It worked, and uh, she was preparing to fight Pena a third time again, and I have to imagine she's just probably, probably just going to do that. Yeah, I I want to say that Irene Aldana is going to have something for Nunez that really no one that she's been able to dog walk so far has, and that is competent like punching ability and the ability to actually exchange with her. Because uh, Durandmi wasn't necessarily exchanging with Nunez, uh, or Durandmi wasn't necessarily exchanging, but she was winning on the feet. But I think this is an example of uh, Nunez could literally just lose the exchanges if she gets put into many of them, because she's not good at exchanging necessarily. She's more just more powerful than everyone she ever exchanges with, or more accurate, or or, or some something that allows her to actually land punches on people and not really care about what is coming back at her yeah or as you say in the gdr fight if she is losing exchanges then it's probably against someone who she has a dramatic wrestling and top game advantage against which you know it is also the case most likely against irene aldana yeah aldana has uh she's dog walkable but in a way that i think allows her to have a few exchanges like i think there's going to be dangerous moments for nunez every round but i just don't expect it to be enough to get her a win and aldana is durable so i'm gonna think nunez decision yes it, it seems a little bit like aldana basically has to win by a knockout uh like you know nunez is no great shades defensively particularly when she just decides to completely change the stance that she's fighting from when she's never been a, absolutely never been a dedicated southpaw or or even particularly much of a switch hitter um so you know it's not like she wasn't getting hit by juliana pena and as i say irene aldana she she can be creative and dangerous in like pocket exchanges and when given like uh time and space to think if she isn't being forced to constantly have to track someone down she is good at catching people on the way in uh, as much as her own lateral movement can kind of start to fall apart if she gets put on the back foot for extended periods of time the her fight with betch kahe was honestly getting kind of rough in the third round just from betch being uh so committed to pressure and creating exchanges most of which you know aldana was Bopping Kahei up, just having to sustain that movement for the fight was still getting to her. You know, Aldana kind of has a bit of a, a a bit of a Jim Miller thing going on, specifically in that she can be creative and dangerous, just given directionally neutral exchanges. I think, like tactically, there's a few neat things to mention about the fight. Uh, Aldana's left uppercut being one. Uh, Nunez has a very poor jab for for getting uh, countered. Like, it's, it's very easy to counter with basically anything you just throw at the same time as her. She's not defensively responsible when jabbing at all. 
Uh, her footing normally isn't very good for it either, so she's kind of susceptible to just being hurt more when she's jabbing. Yeah, she just generally relies on having a massive reach and power advantage over everyone she fights and people being easily cowed from exchanges with her. And I don't necessarily think those things apply in this fight, and that you know that could cause trouble for Nunez, certainly. Exactly, and Aldana, her 1-2 is not anything special. Her jab doesn't even really land very frequently, but they cause enough of an issue to where she'll kind of blind you with them and then just like sneak in a left uppercut as you're guarding up, or if you try and counter back, she'll you know toss out a 1-2, then finish the left hook. It's mostly 1-2 and then left hook, or 1-2, or then left uppercut. She doesn't really throw too much good offense from her right hand, but... Her, her right straight sneaks through every once in a while. It's uh, it's quick, if not particularly powerful. So I could see her just annoying Nunez with certain things like that. And Nunez, we've mentioned that uh, Aldana is kind of dog walkable. In a, in a slight way, Nunez might be. We just haven't seen her against a matchup that enables that to happen. And this is a very unique matchup in that regard. We haven't really seen Nunez fight a matchup like Durandamy since Durandamy, so and even then Durandamy wasn't really having success uh, like positioning wise, it was more just she was getting good shots off and getting taken and more in the clinch as well yeah, the clinch is a, a big problem area for Nunez traditionally but I don't even think the clinch is going to come up really unless it's Nunez just going there for to initiate grappling so it, it's a strange fight, I Really, I'm just expecting Nunez to win by decision, but I want to pick Aldana by early knockout. I mean, it would be cool, and it it would make sense too. Like, it's not an insane per- like person to beat Nunez. No, and she she is uniquely dangerous for the division. The left hook she landed on Caitlin Vieira is like one of the most brutal one punch KOs I've ever seen in WMMA against someone who, for all of her flaws, is like crazy tough and determined. As I say, Nunez already has a ton of defensive liabilities even if she does decide to fight in her natural stance so it could happen but you're still you're still kind of picking a freak one-shot knockout to win the fight for Aldana I think she's more poised to do that than most people in this division but it's just really hard to see her protracting her theoretical advantages into a consistently winning fight over five rounds so I have to be a downer and pick Nunes by decision. Or maybe I don't, and I'll just pick Aldana by knockout, because it would be cool. I think if... It, really, the the difference maker for me is if uh, Irene Aldana had a good like counter to Nunes' jab with her right hand, like if she could just duck under it and then throw a right, like a right overhand or something, I'd be a lot more likely to pick her. Just based off of the way that, but but based off of the way that her recent fights have gone, where if you throw a jabber, it's more just gonna stop her in her tracks, and then you get to circle off for free. I don't expect it to come up very much. I, I don't think she's gonna be, uh, like countering, uh, like ducking under and countering really well. I think if a jab comes at her, she's probably gonna try and duck under or slip it, and then just have her feet planted, and then Nunez gonna circle off and maybe like land a straight. But also, some scenarios where I could see Nunez getting cracked on the end of exchanges. Yeah. Also, we've been saying that uh, Nunez is most likely to win by decision. Aldana is very tough, but I don't 
think we should discount the possibility that if Nunez gets on top, she completely wipes the floor with Aldana and just like beats the fuck out of her and submits her. That is also important to, to recognize. Also, we have seen Aldana be durable. We have not seen her durable against the hardest hitter in the division. So she could just get fucking starched. It happened to Holly Holm and Cyborg, so... <laughs> uh, so then on to the best fight of the card, objectively. Uh, Charles, yeah, well, one of the best fights they could set up of the year that is strangely three rounds, but probably does not need five rounds, and we'll get into that. Charles Oliveira versus Benil Dariush. Charles Oliveira coming off of his title loss to Islam Makashev, where he did not perform great, but he looked better than people remembered. And now fighting another southpaw grappler, uh, but uh, that's pretty much where the similarities end. Uh, Benil Darish and Islam Makhachev could almost not be more different matchups. So let's just start at the beginning by saying Charles is probably not shot. Let's like we'll wait until he's actually shot before we bring that up as like a a reliable analysis tool. Yeah, it's definitely understandable to be concerned about Charles coming off of incredibly difficult wars where he had to pull through some pretty rough spots against you know some of the biggest knockout threats in the division and um i guess it kind of aged well to then go on to see makachev genuinely hurt alexander volkanovsky on the feet on multiple occasions in their fight provides a little bit of clarity to just his own improvements as a counterpuncher and the confidence that someone like Makachev is able to have in his pressure striking when he knows that nobody wants to hit the floor with him. Um, no, I tend to agree that I don't think Charles Oliveira even looked bad in the Makachev fight. Uh, I just think he wasn't quite ready for what Makachev uh, came in with and had to make adjustments to fight a fight that was not completely unwinnable for Charles, but it would have required fighting against type somewhat and. You know, I'd I'd be more interested to see what he could do with specific preparations in a, in a rematch. Um, but no, I agree. I need more data to think that Charles Oliveira is shot. That being said, uh, Benil Dariush really seems to be one of the most dangerous matchups for him in the division. Uh, as you say, just a, a a southpaw pressure kickboxer grappler who will go to the ground with Charles Oliveira, and I think will be extremely competitive with him if it does go there depending on you know who does or doesn't get hurt first and who's able to establish good positions early in scrambles but um you know what i'm saying is charles Oliveira should not be fucking pulling guard on benil darius because i think that's an extremely bad idea benil darius is an incredibly solid positional grappler um he you know he's very dangerous from top but doesn't sacrifice positions and is really hard to consistently put in clean control positions himself yeah, Charles Moore goes for a uh, guard pull if he thinks his opponent is just not prepared for it, which he was kind of just put in a position where a guard pull was one of his only defensive options against Makashev. Uh, he, he doesn't just go for it for the fuck of it. You know, I, I think he would have to get put in an uncomfortable position on the feet to really guard pull against Benny. And even if he does, I think he has a lot more reliable of paths to standing up than he did against Makashev. Even then, he hit, he had a stand up on Makashev. He did it against Justin Gaethje, but he had been hurt and uh, knew that Justin Gaethje wanted nothing to do with his guard. It was just like free recovery it was time. Safe. Yeah, it was a very safe situation to guard pull, and 
I, I think uh, the biggest difficulty for Charles in the Moksha fight is it is, out of all of his uh, title fights, the least uh, possible to draw a direct like A to, to B line of how his uh, opponent wins. Or it, it's probably easiest for that one than it is for uh, for Dustin or Justin or Chandler. Where on all those, it could be like, oh, well, if Charles does this tactically, he'll he'll get to a win. And if his opponent does this tactically, though, it's a lot harder for them to get to a win because even if they're doing really smart things incorrectly, there's just a huge possibility of danger that they do not pose to, towards Charles that he has towards them. Like, and, and that is, exa- this is exactly the thing that Benil Dariush does have that. Yes. Uh, Benil can submit Charles. He can knock him out. And Islam Akshiv had pretty much the same thing against Charles, where he could submit him and knock him out. Whereas Dustin, Justin, and Chandler, they're not going to submit Charles. They they all are, are two of three of them are decent uh, at jiu-jitsu, but they are not the type of fighter who traditionally submits Charles Oliveira. And they also, they're very good strikers, but they are kind of easier to hurt than Benil Dariush, uh, with the exception of Dustin. Like, Gaethje gets hurt in nearly all of his fights, and uh, Chandler gets hurt nearly all of his fights. So the possibility of Charles going up and just kind of cracking them just on like a surface level analysis wise does not it surprise me at all. Uh, so this is a fight where Charles is able to hurt his opponent, also able to get hurt, and they're both able to submit each other. So it makes sense that it's three rounds. The fight's going to be a finish. I'd be incredibly surprised if two people as competent at, at getting it done within three don't get it done. Yeah, and also two people who, when they lose, it tends to be by finish as well. Exactly. They, they're not fighters who tend to make it to a hard-fought decision where they, they got like a slight losing effort. They're more likely to just bulldoze or get bulldozed, or bulldoze until they get bulldozed. Yeah, but Neil Dariush has, of course, a lot more decision wins on his record than Charles, but these yeah. tend to be more in fights where he kind of just has significant technical advantages that let him kind of cruise to a win uh in the way that um charles just puts out too much fucking violence to do that you you kind of just you really just have to get him out of there and you have to be ready for him to come at you hard from the first bell even if it's a five-round fight and you have to be ready to go at that pace and you know you, you you need to be able to meet him you need to be confident about uh, being able to win tie-ups when you clash with him and you really just be, need to be able to match the violence that he's putting out if if you can't just kind of nullify it which is extremely difficult to do in either case i, I think tactically this is one of the cooler fights that could have been made at lightweight for me because there's so much depth to the way that they're like striking their shot selection matches up mm. Like Charles, for example, we'll use his uppercut as an example. Uh, it is probably going to be a pretty good offensive option for him against Benny. But Benny, he's it's also probably going to be a reliable situation where he can counter it. He, he likes to slip uh, anything coming up the middle and then off to the side and then blast his left overhand. But that also gives Charles then the opportunity to take collar ties off of his uppercut, which he's good at uh, getting like a frame uh, and then get an overhook with his left arm then like pop a knee to the head so and then from there it can go to initiating a grappling scramble or something like there's a lot of options from every single one of their like strike preferences that charles didn't necessarily have against makashev like makashev is more likely to just shut down an exchange if one of the thing charles things doesn't work 
like the first try whereas you kind of get an opportunity for exchanges to go longer in this one yeah uh, i also think um benny's left kick is going to be an interesting one of course one, one of his key yeah. weapons is a like classic Cordero pressure fighter which you know we've seen charles Oliveira bothered by dedicated body kickers in the past but we've also seen him become uh pretty competent at defending and countering kicks with both hard counter punches and takedowns so it's you know it, it, it's a it's a weapon that i expect benil darius to use because he always uses it and it's one that could get a lot of work done for him but could get him i mean instantly murdered could just get his back taken yeah. Well, I mean, you could, could just be like you could, the, you could throw the, one at the beginning of the round, then get backpacked. Be like the Nick Lentz knockout. Yep, and they they have fought people that are similar enough to each other to where there's stuff to extrapolate, but there's also such dramatic differences that you can only extrapolate like half the fight or information from like half the fight. So for Gamrot, a lot of the way that Gamrot goes about his grappling is similar conceptually to the way Charles grapples. Same with like. Carlos Diego Fajaya and the fact that Benny's able to scramble with him in a lot of seemingly similar ways uh, allows you to think about it a lot and, and kind of find some things that might be useful but also basically anyone that Benny's grappled with successfully that is a really good grappler he's also been out striking for pretty much the entire fight and then Charles uh, he's fought a lot less people that are like Neil Darius but in in theory, he's fought people that are somewhat similar. You know, some people that are powerful but kind of slow. Uh, he's fought people that are really nice, uh, like, control grapplers that are also good in transition or scrambles. So it, it just – it's just an interesting interesting fight where I – It's going to be a sick-ass fight. Yeah, one where I think Charles is going to get the finish based off of a speed advantage that is – the extent of it, I think he's just faster. He has faster thinking in exchanges, and Benny has weird lapses where he's a. It's a very distinct thing that uh, fighters have whenever they're the type of person that might get starched by someone that's just really fucking aggressive. Is the little moment of pause whenever he feels the back of his foot hit the cage? He looks back to see where he is. That is very consistent with that type of fighter getting fucked up by Charles if they get him to the fence. Yeah, I mean, of course it was a stupid, uh, of course it was like a stupid fluke thing that basically doesn't matter. But at the same time, it wasn't, and there is a reason that Benil Dariush got knocked out in a minute by uh, Alexander Hernandez. Um, Benil also, he stays on top of scrambles like amazingly well, like as we said, as you said, against guys like uh, Gamrot and uh, Carlos Diego Ferreira. But he also will just like give up his back to get to his feet, which seems like instant death against Charles. Um, also, I agree about the speed edge, but I generally think that uh, Benil Darius is just like less hittable than Charles. Well, I don't mean specifically physical speed. I mean more like reaction speed and uh, like offensively and also literal speed. Yeah, like strike speed. And uh, as you say, the way that he responds in exchanges, I think Charles Oliveira is just quicker. But Charles Oliveira gets hurt in every fight that he has. 
Very true. <laughs> and that is the concern. I'm like, he's going to get dinged by a big left hand at some point, And he's not going to have his guard as a safety zone when that happens. So... I don't know. It's it's just it's a hard fight to call for me because it's you know it's an extremely dynamic, violent top ten lightweight fight, and these are all just volatile as shit. And as you say, both guys absolutely have the ability to finish each other in a number of ways. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. I think a, a caveat when it comes to mentioning Charles getting hurt in every fight is that he's been hurt by Michael Chandler, one of the best speed athletes in lightweight history. Dustin Poirier, probably the best boxer in lightweight history. Justin Gaethje, insane hitter, and also he hurts everyone he's ever fought. And then uh, Islam Makhachev, who just landed good hurting shots in his last fight against the like pound for pound best fighter in the world. He's he's like a good he's a good matchup for landing counters on Charles in a way that I don't think Benil is. And then Benil Dariush. He's hurt uh, Mateusz Gamrot. He's hurt uh, Scott Holtzman, Drakkar Close. Just the the fighters that he's hit, he's hurting are worse defensively than Charles, or or the same. Yeah, but you know, you 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 did miss out David Tamer there, who's <laughs> who's just who's just like a pretty pretty good southpaw kickboxer. <laughs> but also, he's a pretty decent uh, southpaw counterpuncher as well. Yeah, which is, in in uh, a way that Benil Darius not. You know, he can do a counter punch. He's not necessarily someone who is going to take the back foot and draw you onto shots in the same way that David Tamer did. And I think if he does try to take that approach in this fight, he's then conceding a pressure and forward initiative to Charles Oliveira is going to get fucking killed like it did David Tamer. <laughs> yeah, and David Tamer, uh, it's also worth noting Charles got hurt in all these and they're all wins. Yeah. Uh, except for the Mock Chef fight. So the, I mean, among people that can hurt him, that can also hang with him on the ground, even if he's not hurt, this, it is a particularly rough matchup for him. I just think his chances of getting hurt are lower than people are saying it is. I don't think it's low. Like, I, I, I think there's at least a 40% chance Charles gets hurt in the fight at some point. But people are acting like it's, it's a certainty that Charles is going to get hurt, which I don't think it necessarily is. And even if he does end up getting hurt like repeatedly in the fight, I think I'll still have that opinion, uh, unless you know Benny just goes out there and outclasses him. But Charles, he he's also a lot larger than the people that Benil is successfully grappling with, with the exception of Gamrot, who is kind of like skinnier, he, like he's not as strong as Charles. Uh, his hoss factor is a lot lower than Charles CDF. Pretty small lightweight. But his fights against people that are smaller than him, he, he tends to, like, pretty easily shit-kick them. Uh, if you look at just his record, like, just if you do, like, some very basic, uh, like, record analysis, 5'8", 5'8", 5'8", 5'10", but not a good striker, like, 5'8", or 5'9". No, Darius was the uh, original guy to one-punch knockout James Vick before it was cool. Yep. Uh, he, he's, he's, he can fuck up a... Well, he, he one-punched him, like, 55 well, times. Yeah. <laughs> he just had a lot better of a chin at that point. But uh, the people that he's, he's out-grappled are all quite 
a lot smaller than him or there's context like Tony Ferguson being shot and also Charles also outclassed him on the ground. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if there's much to take away from that that version of Tony Ferguson against elite lightweight. I did kind of come in prepared to pick Benil Dariush because I know you're going to pick Charles Oliveira and I kind of wanted to cover our bases a little bit on this one. Uh, not, you know, not, not just because we just like picked Charles to beat back Chev easily and look kind of stupid. Also just, you know, this, this, this is clearly a very close fight, but uh, it's basically just the thing I said a minute ago about how Benil Darius really needs to not concede pressure early to Charles Oliveira. And I don't know that it's necessarily, I don't know if it's necessarily that Benil Darius is a slow starter, but I just don't think he's necessarily ready, as I was talking about, to just match the offense that Charles Oliveira is going to bring to you in the first like minute of a fight. Um, because this, yeah, and, and if he does, he might gasp before Charles. Because this is a guy who just got booped by Alex Hernandez and was getting kind of just like shoved into the cage and fucked up by Drew Dober before he just you know pressed a massive grappling advantage that was able to just win him a fight against Drew Dober in the way that while I think Benil Dariush's uh capabilities as a grappler like pose a, a, a lot of like potential issues for Charles in this fight they are mostly if uh Benil Dariush is able to hurt Charles first or just Charles makes bad decisions that put him in bad positions, which normally only tends to happen after he's getting hurt. So, got, got, got to kind of got to pick Charles Oliveira to just like, walk up to Benil Dariush in the first round and knock him out. It's a really, it's a hard fight for Charles, but in the way that we're saying it's a hard fight for Charles, it is a much it's harder a fight motherfucker of a fight for for Benny. <laughs> There's, there's it is about no as mistake. bad of a matchup at the top level goes, unless he was to fight maybe like Gaethje. I, I think Gaethje is a particularly difficult fight, and then there's still the grappling scenario where what if he just gets Gaethje's back? Yeah, he at least has one area of where he has a theoretical massive technical advantage in in a fight like that. Even though there's a ton of danger for him to get there, but where whereas this fight just like neither guy has like no fly zones but also that also means that neither guy has like one phase that they can just push the fight towards in order for it to be a clear line towards a victory i just got to pick the more like violent consistent finisher out of the two in a scenario like that even though i love charles Oliveira, i'd i'd, I'd love to see benil Darius get a win like this and, and get a crack at the title and i'm potentially more interested in seeing what Benil Dariush has to offer to Islam Makachev than uh, Charles in an immediate rematch. I am uh, primarily on the the basis that we haven't seen him fight before, so like we don't know anything about the the matchup in practice. Mm-hmm. We just know about it in theory. Uh, I think the fact that like it, it was just a, like random circumstance that we ended up not doing a podcast for the post fight of Makachev Charles. I actually had like a lot to say about the fight. It just didn't. Like we just had, I don't even remember why we didn't end up recording that. I think I did that one by myself because you because you were busy crying in the shower because Charles Oliveira lost. I I was I cackled when Charles got subbed. I I was not upset 
like Charles is, is a fighter that I love very deeply because I kind of don't get sad if he loses. I'm just hoping he wins really hard every fight. Because, you know, if he loses, I'm like, oh, cool. He, he got finished. Oh, he, he won. Oh, he got a finish. As long as you're finishing people, I kind of don't give a shit what the result of your fight is. I'm a fan regardless. And, and when he does lose, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> yeah, it, it always makes sense. See, he, doesn't, he hasn't had a loss that just defies analysis. It's like, oh, yeah, Charles, if he gets hurt and, like, is against a good grappler, they can submit him. Or, oh, if he gasses out, you can submit him or TKO him. Oh, if you land a really good body shot, like Benil very much might, you might just finish. It's been a long time since that's happened to Charles, though. Very long time, and he is now maybe the best kick defender in the Yeah, division. I don't remember seeing him be really messed up by body shots since his fight with Anthony Pettis, which was a long time ago, and it was still at featherweight. And Anthony Pettis, for all his flaws, is a insane ridiculously kicker. <laughs> dynamic, fast, powerful kicker. Yeah, and even just like the shape of the fight and the way that exchanges are going to play out, uh, Pettis is a lot better at landing his kicks from positions that he's going to get put in than Benil is, I think. Benil, I don't think his body kick is going to be as much of a problem for Charles after Charles has cross-checked one or two, or uh, like taken the back off of it, or just kind of blast him with the fucking mouth or put him against the cage to where he can't really safely throw it without just getting held against yeah, the Yeah, I fence. think he's just going to be looking to parry him just blast a right straight very good chance uh i think the body kick is a very strange tool for benil because i think it either is it either wins the fight immediately like the one of the first couple times he throws it and he he fucks up charles then it like leads to the end or i think it's basically a non-factor that's a liability like offensively he he very much might just not get anything done with it if charles ends up shutting it down early but I don't think Benny's going to stop throwing it. So it's it's the weird outlier strike in the matchup where I don't know what to make of it. Maybe it'll just be a good attrition tool. Maybe Charles just has like good body durability now. He's just going to eat body kicks and be like, oh, and then eventually get tired after a few. And it's just going to be a decent weapon for attrition. Or maybe it'll set up a head kick. Who fucking knows? But uh, I, I just, it's a very weird tactic because with Charles' uppercut and his left hook, it kind of makes sense in my head. Like I can see exactly how it's going to play out every time. I, I can see like different scenarios and how it lands. Like sometimes Charles will throw the left hook, it'll get a collar tie and then he'll start working on the clinch or he'll like parry him off. Then try and blast him in the head with the straight or like the way that Benil rolls. I kind of have a feel for how the exchanges are going to look visually, but I don't really know how Benny's going to get successful kick offense off. It's just one thing that I want to mention while we're talking about Benil Dariush which is that people in like the analyst community need to stop talking about Benil Darius like he's like some fucking little weakling or something. <laughs> people have constantly praised him as like, you know, a, a cool, like not great athlete who wins with craft and savvy. And he's kind of just not that quick. And he maybe doesn't look that agile with the way that he throws certain things. But he's pretty fucking athletic. He is fucking hard and he's strong and he has like great balance and proprioception and he's very flexible. He he, he kind of has all, most of the stuff you need for fighting, really. Yeah, when we were talking earlier, I equated him to an old cat even when he was in his prime. 
which he might be in his prime now, but he's getting up there in age for MMA. Like he, he's kind of like an old cat in that he's very agile. He has all the cat like things, but now instead of like pouncing with speed, he has to wait for another cat to just do some stupid shit and then grab him. And also he's like a, he's like a heavy cat. So he's really strong. And he'll just, like, wrestle his, his little brother to the ground and be like, haha, fuck you, I'm, like, eight years older, I'm still stronger. Like, he really fights like that. He has, like you said, basically everything you need to be a, a good athlete for MMA or be successful at an upper level. He's just not fast, which even then, I mean, fucking, like, like people that are fast get fucked up all the time in MMA. It, it, way more so than in boxing or in any other striking yeah, sport. Yeah, how being fast works out for Cody Garbrandt. Yeah, like, I, I... It's not like other combat sports where being fast is that, like, as insane. And if it is, you have to be a fast striker and grappler, which Benil, he's a very fast grappler. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he does not get, uh, like, beaten by better speed athletes in grappling exchanges. It's just on the feet that he's a little slow. Okay, so do you, do you have an actual pick, then? Uh, I'm going to say Charles Oliveira by uh, second round uh, knockout. Right as I say this, I forget, uh, or I remember something that I wanted to bring up about the fight, and it's that though Benil's fought a lot of very good grapplers, he's not fought a single upper-level grappler that has good ground attack in the way that Charles does. Like, Charles, he'll get offense off in transitions, He's not just going to try and get the position like CDF or uh, or Gamrot will. And he's also kind of better if he gets to a control position than, than those guys. And he's stronger and he's larger. It, just a lot of very surface level things seem to make it a lot harder for Benil than uh, I'm expecting it to be for Charles when it comes to the matchup. Yeah, that's fair. What's your pick? I'm going to say Charles by first round KO. Okay, we've laid out enough about Benil's chances to win that uh, that we're not dumb if if we get this one wrong. It's also MMA. Like, good luck picking MMA at the top level. <laughs> yeah, like uh, like I always say, the pick is not really the bit that I'm invested in. You just do it at the end for fun, just to try and cool your shot. But uh, really, the only way that we look stupid is that if it's like a consummate shutout for one guy which i would be surprised to see go either way to be honest and even then like that's just the mma bit you know like mma is fucking weird sometimes sometimes someone like a fight that seems crazy competitive is going to be really bad or or just a complete shutout i so what else is going on on this card then it's not spectacular we're not going to talk about mike malott versus adam fugit uh, mike malott is a fun fighter to watch so maybe pay attention to that I, I think we should just do some quick hits and then maybe talk a little bit genuinely about dan Ige versus nate landwehr and uh Imbava versus chris curtis just some some passing thoughts on yeah that's pretty much it i mean uh i mean yeah danny gay fighting nate landwehr seems that danny gay is very much settling into this uh his role at featherweight which is to be the gatekeeper for kind of structureless violence action fighters to try and get into the top 15 and then they get one punch KO'd is that going to happen to Nate Landwehr uh maybe not i think Nate Landwehr is really 
quite decent if he has a good performance. I think Danny Gay being a decent athlete speed wise and also the fact that he can kind of hit it makes it harder for landwehr in a way that the the david onama fight couldn't replicate necessarily yeah and this is what really makes danny gay kind of the dividing line at featherweight is that he you know he he loses fights at the top end because of not really having the not quite having the dynamism and firepower of of those guys, but still generally makes good accounts of himself in these fights. And I mean, I thought he beat Josh Emmett. Um, And, you know, not quite being able to get it done against Calvin Cater and Chan Sung Jung is like shit happens. And then it seems like every time you give him a, a, a step down against a guy who's, trying to get up there in the division he he just fucking smokes them um nate landwehr he's kind of he's really aggressive and he's a really good uh transitional threat that we have not seen danny gay against necessarily yeah and danny gay he likes to take the back foot he doesn't fight at a tremendous pace and he's like mostly a counter puncher by trade these days so it really is one of those where Nate Landwehr is probably going to get a lot of opportunities to come forward and put his offense together. You know, he's going to be creating clinch entries and attacking off of the breaks and, you know, probably trying to enforce a wrestling threat. As you say, just like doing whatever he can in all phases of MMAs, in all phases of MMA to create transitions that he can attack in, which if Danny Gay is going to, just like let him come forward and do his thing. He might get some stuff done, but then also da- Danny Gabe might just like not knock late Nate Landwehr out with a counter at some point because uh, Nate Landwehr doesn't have great defense or a great chin. And, you know, he got it done against David Onama, but David Onama is a talented athletic striker who makes just god awful in fight decisions. And that was an inc- just kind of incredibly green. silly fight that with the physical tools that he had, he could have got it done with just a little bit more uh, focus and consistency in the way that David Onama fights. Yeah, Onama's just a bit green. I think this fight is... Uh, it's weird because Ige might have a, like a 70% chance while almost a guarantee of losing the minutes. Because I think... Nate Landwehr is going to do enough and he's confident enough at what he does to off-put Ige because Ige is a bit of a sparring fighter. He's not like realistically going to be pushing his advantages too reliably. Yeah, he lets, he lets in, people in, have their fight, fight and he, he is someone who tends to be you know, answering questions rather than asking them, which it's, it, it, it's generally a dynamic that I don't favor people in, in MMA matchups. You know, when particularly when they're fighting someone who knows what they want to do and is gonna do it. Yeah, I. There's a good chance he just kind of dusts Landwehr in either one of the situations where they're at range, and it's between Nate Landwehr doing something, or just Landwehr, or just Landwehr coming in just like overextended with some wacky shit to try and track Danny Gay down, and he just like eats a left hook or something. Yeah, yeah, I, I could, I could see that very 
<laughs> like very plausibly. I think that's what I'm going to pick. Um, that's fair. I think just for a variety's sake, I'm going to pick Nate Landwehr. I'd also prefer if he won because I think it, he has more interesting matchups at the top level than Denige. Not necessarily like good matchups uh, when it comes to his chances of winning, but very interesting ones to watch. Like Sadiq Yusuf is a fun fight for Nate Landwehr. Mm-hmm. Last fight we're actually going to like talk about. Probably Imava versus Cruz, right? Yeah. Um, and still, would like to have more to say about this than I do, because spoiler alert, I think it's a pretty rough one for Chris Curtis. Much as I love Chris Curtis, and, you know, he's just a cool, stocky, southpaw counterpuncher. Um, Nasadine Imavov is kind of, kind of just middleweight Cyril Garn, and he's fucking huge, and, uh, much in the way that I was talking about with, uh, you know, Holly Holm and Amanda Nunes's new approach earlier, is, if nothing else, extremely dedicated to outside lateral movement. So, I mean, that's 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 rough for Chris Curtis. You, you know, he, you know, you know, you've you've got another really cool counterpuncher who can put stuff together really nicely when he gets into the pocket. But if a fighter has a way of denying him that distance. He just, he just doesn't really have an answer for how to track people down. Uh, You know, we, um, I mean, the Jack Hermanson fight was on short notice. Maybe he's going to come into this with some better ideas, but I just, the, the, the star matchup overall seems pretty rough. I agree. I think, We've talked a lot about dog walking during this recording, and it, it's really like a factor in this fight. It seems like the Her- like Hermanson is very similar to Imavov in the way they approach their striking. Imavov is just faster and worse. Yes, and larger. So, yeah, and larger, like a lot larger. Uh, maybe not like a lot larger than Hermanson, but he is larger than Hermanson. He's a lot larger than Curtis. So. It's it's a good chance that he he just doesn't get punished for the the weaker aspects he has in his game compared to Hermanson. Kind of saw it happen to Imovov in the third round of his fight with uh, Joaquin Buckley. That was more just because like Buckley got mad that he was losing and really just started chasing Imovov around, throwing punches, and that's just like it's just not really Chris Curtis's style. Even if he's losing a fight, you know he he has his process. He has his way that he likes to build his fight, and if you can shut that down, he's he's not just he's he's never really shown uh, the propensity to just like to just abandon that shit and just say fuck it and and just start running at the guy j- just wanging hooks. Yeah, I I will say a difficulty for Imbavov is that we have not seen him deal with a body hitter really. That's true. So it could it could be as simple as a prospect gets shut down by a guy just hitting hard to the body for the first time he's ever gone against. I don't, I don't really think that would be particularly, particularly surprising. So yeah, that's the, the, that really is kind of most of the stuff really worth talking about on this card. Like, you know, I like Marc-Andre Barrio, but he's fighting Eric Anders and Eric Anders is very large and strong and is probably just going to be able to, you know, nullify Marc-Andre Barrio's, uh, do everything all the time style by 
just like be, being large and clenching with them along the fence. So, you know, that's that's kind of lame. Eamon Zahabi versus Arichi Lang should be cool. Yeah, Jasmine Jasudovicius versus Miranda Maverick is two decent grapplers against each other. So the fight should be okay. Yeah, that's where we're at with this card. It, they're, they're, they are really... Uh, really putting everything into the co-main event uh, for, for for this to be uh, supposedly a pay-per-view quality card, but it is a fantastic fight. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be a, a watchable card. Well, fuck it. Let's get out of here then. Uh, as always, if you enjoyed this content and all the other great stuff the Fight Side puts out, please consider supporting us on Patreon. The pledge of just $5 uh, gains access to uh, both a huge uh, library of really high quality analytical content and a great community through discord. So go check that out. If you like the fight site, this has been the forbidden technique podcast it is good to be back. And uh, I hope we can do it again next week. Mainly so we can talk about Charles versus Benny again. Cause I don't really want to talk about Marvin Vittori versus Jared Cannon there. Cause that shit's whack, but uh, we'll see you then. Peace. Later. Later.